Listen, the wicked never win. Never ever do they win. And we must never compromise our position with God. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, we should always stand by the side of God and say, God, you know what is best for my life. Even though I cannot see what's ahead. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. We're glad you've joined us for the conclusion of our series in 1 Kings. Examining the fallout of evil Ahab's sinful choices, Raul will assure us that no matter how it sometimes feels, God always deals fairly with the wicked. It can be frustrating to observe those who rebel without any apparent consequence, But as you stay with us here on Somebody Loves You Radio, you'll see that the Lord's justice is timely and perfect. Let's join Roel Reese now in 1 Kings. Beginning with chapter 21, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the place of Ahab, king of Samaria. Now Jezreel is 25 miles from Samaria, and it's literally the area which uh, you have a beautiful view. It's up by the Valley of Megiddo. When you're standing up on top of the Valley of Megiddo, Mont Carmel. You can see all the way to Nazareth. You can see all the way to the Mediterranean. You can see the Valley of Megiddo. It's just a real beautiful area. And we have this young man by the name of Naboth. That has inherited this vineyard. And yet at the same time. We have this king Ahab, which is a, he's a wicked king, and he wants it. Verse 2. And so Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Why don't you give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near to me, next to my own house. And for it will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you whatever is worth in money. Now, literally, he didn't need that vineyard. He was the king. He had already enough beautiful property. But he was coveting this vineyard that was next to the king's palace. But Naboth said unto Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. Even though he was coveting this vineyard, uh, Naboth told him, Look, this is a family inheritance. I can't sell it to you or give it to you. It goes from generation to generation. So I'm sorry, I can't give it to you. Verse 4. And so Ahab went into his house, sullen and displeased because of the words which Naboth the Jesuit had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid down on his mat like a big baby. And he turned away his face and would eat no food. He's a total spoiled brat. 
He has everything that money can buy. He has every kind of vineyard you could have. And at the same time, he's feeling sorry for himself. He's coveting that vineyard. And so what happens? His evil witchy wife comes in. Watch what happens. Verse 5. But Jezebel, the little witchy, she was a witch. You'll see in a moment. He says, his wife came in to him and said unto him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? Now honey, what's the matter with you? She's the one that wore the pants, not him. You'll see in a moment. And he said unto her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreel, and I said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it that is better than yours. And he answered, I will not give my vineyard. And then Mrs. Witchy, Jezebel said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. He says, I mean, are you the king or not? I mean, who is king here? Why don't you get up and eat food and let your heart be cheerful? He says, You could not get it, but I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the just right. You know, you're just a little wimp. I'll get it for you. Don't worry about it. She was a real witch. Because what she's going to do is she's going to falsify against Naboth. Watch what she does. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with the seal. And then sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city of Naboth. And she wrote in the letter saying, this is what she wrote. Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people. And seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed the name of God and the king, and then take him out and kill him and stone him that he may die. She was the queen. She set up a false testimony, saying that Naboth had blasphemed against God and against the king, which in the law, by two or three witnesses said, you must die by stoning. Nathan never said that. Sometimes when I read the word of God and I look at life today, it's really sad how sometimes you can be a good person and evil people will win over what you're doing. But at the same time, I realize that God is in control of my life. That God knows what He's doing because we could become very bitter. Listen, the wicked never win. Never ever do they win. And we must never compromise our position with God. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through. We should always stand by the side of God and say, God, you know what is best for my life. Even though I cannot see what's ahead. Trust in Him by faith. They came and they set Him up. Verse 11. And so the men of his city, the elders and the nobles, who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them. And it was written in the letters which he had sent to them. And they proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with a high honor among the people. And the two men, scoundrels, notice that, came in and they sat before him. And the scoundrels witnessed against him and against Naboth. 
in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed the name of God and the king. And then they took him outside the city, and they stoned him with stones that he died. And then they sent to Jezebel, the little witch, saying, Nathan has been stoned and is now dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Nathan had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Hey Ahab, get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give to you for money, for Naboth not is now alive no longer, but he is dead. Notice that. She's running the whole show. He's feeling sorry for himself. And so it came to pass, or so it was, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up, he went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, and then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Notice, God is not deaf, God is not blind, God knows what He's doing. And he said, Arise and go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel. Elijah, who lives in Samaria, there he is. The vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him and say, Thus saith the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick up your blood, even yours. And so Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered and said, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice that Ahab and Elijah did not get along together. Ahab was a wicked king with his little witchy wife, Ahab's wife by the name of Jezebel. But at the same time, what is God is doing is God is telling Ahab and Jezebel, you can get away with your sin. They thought they got away with their sin. And many times, when I look at wicked people and what they're doing and how they're being blessed, I think, man, how can they get blessed and I don't get blessed like they are? And yet they do wicked and yet I serve the Lord. It's a short-sightedness that we have. Because wicked people do not get away with what they do. God judges them. And when He judges them, He judges them in such a way that they have horrible, horrible deaths. Horrible deaths. You'll see that in a moment. But I love the way God not only allows His love and His grace and His mercy, as He sends Elijah the prophet to Ahab to let him know that God is aware of everything that He's done and the way He's taken that vineyard, to himself and that God is going to judge his house you're listening to somebody loves you radio with Raul Reese visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 for resources to strengthen your faith and boost your confidence in God's sovereignty be sure to order Rawls' thought-provoking book, Sin, the Root of All Evil. Now let's get back to the final part of today's lesson. Verse 21, he says, Behold, 
I will bring calamity on you, Ahab, and I will take away your posterity, and I will cut off, you notice from Ahab, every male in Israel, both bond and free. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijai, because of the provocation which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. Notice that. Here we see that these were kings who were wiped out by the Lord because of their evil hearts. And God says the same way I wiped out Jeroboam. And the way I wiped out the house of Bashan. The same way your house is going to be judged. Verse 23. And according to Jezebel, the Lord also spoke saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Notice the prophecy. Jezebel will be eaten by dogs. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab. And dies in the city. And the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. It's a prophecy that is given. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Because Jezebel his wife steered him up. Remember first of all Ahab was a Jewish king. And he went ahead and took allegiance with Jezebel by marrying her when she was the great worshiper of Baal. The God of the Canaanites. The God where they would worship. The God of fertility. They would worship and offer their children to Moloch the God. In the hands of Moloch as they would heat it up real hot. And lay their babies on the arms of Moloch. And commit murder before the Lord. I don't understand how someone that has known the Lord. How they can go back in the world. And go back to doing greater evilness. Than they were doing before. But it happens. Ahab's a good example of that. And yet God was pursuing after him. To see that he would turn or repent. Verse 26. He says. And he behaved very abominably in following idols. According to all that the Amorites had done. Whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And so it was when Ahab heard those words. The prophecy. That he tore his clothes, he put sackcloth on his body, he fasted, and he laid in sackcloth and ashes and went about mourning. Notice that at this particular moment, he humbles himself in the presence of God to repent. This wicked king that has done so much in the kingdom. And then the word of the Lord comes, notice verse 28. And the word of the Lord came not to Elijah the Tishbetite and said, See how Ahab now has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. Wow. Because Ahab, Humbled, repented in his heart before the Lord. He says he will not have to go through any of those things. But his children will see it. You reap what you sow. But also notice the grace of God. And the mercy of God in the life of a wicked king. 
God's grace is so wonderful, so marvelous. He just blows me away when I see it. Not only in my own personal life, but in your own personal lives as you look at people. In the things that we have done against the Lord willingly and willfully. And yet God is so patient and so loving and so kind. That instead of Him bringing judgment upon us. That He pours out His love and His grace and His mercies. But He desires like Ahab. That we would humble ourselves in the presence of God. That's the only way to receive the grace of God. It is not to pride. It is true humility. As I recognize who I am. But as I recognize who He is. It makes me come to the throne of grace. And ask for grace. Because of the love that Jesus Christ not only bears for me. But as He went to the cross and He died for my sins. To cleanse me and to wash me and to set me free before his life. That's what happened to Ahab. But his wife, that's another story. Listen to what he says. Verse 28. And then the word of the Lord came again to Elijah the Tishbite. I say, see now how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me. I will not bring the calamity in his days. And in the days of his sons, I will bring the calamity on his house. Chapter 22, verse 1. And now three years have passed. So now three years later, after he humbled himself and did what was right. He says, war was between Syria and Israel. And then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, the king of the south, went down to visit the king of the north, Ahab. Now, here is a situation that after Ahab humbles himself before the Lord, that there is a king in Judah that wants to go and visit the king of the north because he's kind of curious concerning evil. So he comes down, verse 3. And then the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that, do you know that Ramoth in Gilead that is ours? But we hasted to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. And so he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go down with me and fight at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Ahab is asking him, Hey, will you come and help me to fight against Syria? They're pretty tough cookies and I need your help. And he said, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. I'm one with you. And also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Notice that. Hey, why don't we seek the Lord and see what God has to say. And then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 of men, and said unto them, Shall I go up against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? And they said, now notice he gathers together 400 prophets. They're supposed to be prophets of the Lord. But listen, they're afraid of the king and their false prophets. They don't speak by the word of the Lord. They said, go up, for the Lord will deliver it into your hand to the king. And then Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Is there anybody else left? 
that may be a true prophet? And so the king Ahab of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there's still one man, but I don't know if you want to talk to him, because every time you talk to him, he brings bad news. Notice that. By the name of Micah, the son of Imiah, by whom we have inquired of the Lord, but I hate him, because every time he comes and prophesies, he doesn't prophesy good concerning me, but always evil. And Jehoshaphat said, hey, let not the king say such things. He call him in. Let's see what he says. And then the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring Micah to the son of Imnah quickly. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on the robes, sat each on his throne at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. Can you imagine? You see all these guys prophesying. Thus saith the Lord. And now Zedekiah, the son of Cheshnach, had, be, had made some horns of iron for himself. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, and I'm speaking by the word of the Lord, Thus saith the Lord, With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hands. But it's not true. So now, watch what happens. Verse 13. And then the messenger who had gone out to call Micah, the prophet, spoke to him saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Now when you go talk to the king, please let your words be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. (laughs) How many times... I've had people come to me and say, you know, why don't you speak to build up? And I believe in that. But I say, why don't we speak in the name of the Lord? And speak a message that is going to prick our hearts, is going to speak to our hearts, is going to change our lives. Why do I say that? Because there are many people that are always teaching to please and appease people so they don't leave the church. You see? But whenever you speak the message of God, you have to speak what God gives to you. You can't be worrying about people. That's God's problem, not my problem. If I don't speak the truth, then how can I stand for the name of the Lord? If I'm going to come to you and tell you wonderful things and wonderful stories, and you live here smiling and happy and patting one another on the back, but there is no change from your sin then I haven't really done my job. And I haven't presented the truth of Jesus Christ. Because it's not really me that brings conviction, it's the Holy Spirit. Through the Word of God that speaks to us. Even as I sit down in my own devotional time, and I'm reading through the Word of God, God, man, just gets to me, and He, I mean, he really convicts me. And I have to change. In the same way when I come up here, and I read the Word of God to you, And I'm teaching the Word of God. Sometimes people have come to me and say, Has my wife been talking to you? I don't even know who your wife is. Well, why do you say that? Because you spoke right to me. My situation, my problem. Well, that's the Word of knowledge. The Word of wisdom. Prophecy. And many times as we sit here in the congregation, we have to be open to the Holy Spirit every time we come. Why? Because we want God to speak to us in such a way that it is the Word of the Lord. 
speaking to me to change my heart, to change my life. It is good to be reminded that those who openly and habitually defy God will be held accountable for their choices. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To hear today's message again, call 800-634-9165 and we'll send you a complete version for a donation of $5 or more. Just ask for Raul's teaching from 1 Kings chapters 21 and 22. Now, whether you're feeling convicted about personal compromises or you've been impacted by the disobedience of others, we'd like to equip you with Rawls' book titled Sin, the Root of All Evil. It's a Bible-rich resource that underscores God's desire for every person to experience His forgiveness and grow with Him in righteousness. As you're challenged to pinpoint areas of vulnerability that could pull you into temptation— you'll learn to continually commit to honoring the Lord with undivided devotion. To order Rawls' book titled Sin, The Root of All Evil, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your copy for a donation of $8 or more. That's 800-634-9165. Or if you'd like, you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. This ministry is supported by listeners like you. We thank you for your partnership and tax-deductible gifts. Join us next time for a new five-part series, Diving into the Lord's Biblical Guidelines for Seeking a Spouse. No matter what your marital status, your heart will be lifted as you reflect on God's loving faithfulness over every stage of our lives. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.